Welcome back to another exciting adventure right here on Radio Wasteland, the best in paranormal talk radio. I'm your host, Chauncey Hallworth. This is my co-host, Kara Kittrick. Kara, what's the news from the Wasteland? A study of 605 mostly white children in Rhode Island shows that kids born after January 2020 may have measurably lower IQ scores than those born before. Potential factors they suggest for this uh, effect include work stress for the parent and decreased ability to provide childcare, since children of parents with high levels of education were much less likely to suffer this effect. Uh, this study was published ahead of peer review and therefore has not yet been replicated by other scientists. We're getting dumber kids. Um, <laughs> so the the heading for this title implied that it was COVID's fault, but really the the implication here is that the situation that COVID has created is at fault. Right. And I we talked about this a little, not on air. I think this is probably bogus. Or not bogus. Like I don't I don't think anyone's lying to us or anything. I think when you see a study, it's published ahead of peer review, which means obviously it hasn't been peer reviewed. It hasn't been replicated. It's not even really done. It's like the first draft of a novel kind of thing. And stuff like that is only published in the first place as sort of a first look for other scientists in the field to be like, this is what people you know are working on. Mm-hmm. Not a, this is a real fact we've uncovered. Like, this isn't even a real study. And the, even, even the scientists who worked on it, I'm sure, would tell you that, too. I'm sure they would be like, yeah, we found some interesting stuff, but we're not done. So my thinking, nine out of ten chance this is a statistical artifact of some kind, and it's not even a real thing, Right. Right. Yeah. When I heard this and then I, I caught some of it from you, I thought, man, this could be spun a lot of ways. You know, uh, white kids getting dumber could have been the title. <laughs> right. Well, the headline, the freaking headline on Fox News was not study published ahead of peer review shows something that will probably not even be true. Right. The headline said kids born during COVID are dumber. You know, as I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was. And people only read the headlines. They aren't going to look at the article and be like, oh, published ahead of peer review. And even if they do see that, they're not going to know what it means because no one knows what it means. I only know what it means because I happen to have read about it recently and sort of read about how this is a way that studies that aren't real studies often, you know, still get passed off this way in in the press. So I think the story here is that the media sucks. You know, so what do you think we do about this mixed messaging? I mean, you know, Fugazi has this line, they didn't come up with it, but it doesn't matter what you're selling, it's what you're buying. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're buying it. You know, they're obviously, uh, here we are buying it. We're currently buying it. We we took this article and we're now spreading it. Yeah, no, I I don't see the media changing anytime soon. So I think it's us up to people to practice better media literacy. Um, which is harder and more time consuming than not doing that. But I think with stuff like this, it's still not that hard. Like 
read the articles. Don't just read the headlines. That's a, right. that's a start. How long does it take? Like this article is like what five hundred words. How long does it take to read that? A couple minutes. Maybe. So. Yeah, well, apparently for these uh, new white kids, uh, it's going to take a little while. <laughs> God. <laughs> right? And it's a sample size of 600. Oh, my God. Like, this, that's nothing. You know, it's yeah, nothing. So, and it's not demographically. It, it, it's not representative. It's. There's so did, were these people vaccinated? I mean, how how is a baby that's a year older able to be. I, I don't even understand how you can get the IQ of a one-year-old, but, right. um, <laughs> but on top of that is the, is the implication here that they didn't have the childcare and therefore they didn't make their kids smart or is the implication that they I, were vaccinated and their kids are dumb? I, I think it's the former. I think it's kind of like, cause, cause we know that like reading to children and stuff makes them smarter, just yep. enrichment. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think it's just lacking enrichment. But also your point about IQ is is completely true, because I'm I'm pretty sure that. And don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure that like IQ tests when it comes to very young children are not. Exactly an exact science themselves. Well, they're so, hugely fallible with adults. So I yeah, assume that they well, just get more and more fallible as they go down. Yeah. It might be the opposite of that, though. It might be that they're better for kids. It's one way or another, and I can't remember which it is. So Right, because maybe you, adult people are tainted in their belief systems, and therefore we have to find things that they don't understand to challenge them on to solve the problem, where a kid has a whole lot of things that are new to them that we can, yeah, maybe that makes sense, I guess. Like I said, I don't remember which way it is, so... I feel like we're providing a great service to our listeners in terms of media literacy because they have to go and look it up because we aren't telling them crap. Yeah, I'm not telling you nothing. Go look it up. <laughs> You're right. My technique's good, huh? Uh, Matthew Taylor Coleman, a follower of Illuminati and QAnon conspiracy theories and owner of a surfing school in California, was charged Wednesday with murdering his children. Conspiracy theories had led him to believe that his wife was passing, quote, serpent DNA down to their kids, and he didn't want to, quote, see them grow into monsters. Uh, this is some wild stuff, man. Some serpent DNA. Yeah, I serpent mean, DNA. you had me at serpent DNA, I have to say, <laughs> you know. I mean, it, yes, it's very sad that these kids got killed by their dad, but bad things happen all the time and I, we're going to make jokes about it. so yeah yeah but i mean <laughs> because it's ridiculous serpent dna come on well my wife like researched this guy a bit and he was like a member of his church you know he was a surfing instructor mm -hmm. for all outward appearances he was a normal happy healthy human being right that's what's scary about this and i don't know it is possible to mask stuff like schizoaffective disorder but like you the, the perception is like people would think if your paranoia is so bad that you kill your kids mm. it's going to be bad enough that you can't function right but turns out no not really yeah so this has been building for a while this like okay so we got two things that have been building i thought separately maybe they're running in conjunction we have 
serpent reptilian DNA has been one mm-hmm. conspiracy as it rose. And then the other was like this Q. Um, has Q always just been crazy off the wall stuff? I kind of felt like it started oh, yeah. out. I kind of felt like it started out as like fairly legitimate. No, um, no. The way Q started out was an anonymous poster on 8chan started uh, saying stuff about how like Donald Trump was going to jail all the satanic Democrats. Like it was off the wall from the very beginning. Oh, okay. And like it wasn't the Satanism stuff, I think, was added a little later. But still, the idea that you're just going to randomly trust this poster on this forum where everyone's anonymous and this guy's just like posting long strings of letters and numbers and the idea that you're going to obsessively search those for patterns about how Donald Trump is going to jail Hillary. Like, if you do that, there's something wrong. You know, right. <laughs> and I I just can't help but to. It's like we're in the dark ages. Is this I know you don't know the answer to this. This is all speculation. Yeah. But is it that we just know more now of the crazy that goes on? Or is it that the crazy is getting worse? I don't know. I think the crazy just gets amplified more because it's crazy is more interesting than normal, right? So I think we've got a, a newsworthy. I mean, for example, a lot of the reason QAnon got so big was that Facebook recommended QAnon adjacent pages to people for years and years before they realized, hey, our algorithm is sending people down this paranoiac rabbit hole and these people might be dangerous like if you were into you know tucker carlson facebook would be like hey here's another page you might like and it would be you know reptilian conspiracy theories and QAnon stuff like well next to tucker that kind of makes sense (laughs) (laughs) well it does right like they didn't like facebook didn't do this on purpose the algorithm was like hey, you like the mainstream paranoid loon, maybe you would like the fringe paranoid loons. Right, right. And hey, they did. So I think we've got algorithms designed to feed us what activates the most chemicals in our brain. And that's not going to be scholarly research. You know, that's not going to be the truth. It's going to be insane stuff because that's more interesting. Yeah, speaking of algorithms, okay, so... Uh, I I watch a lot of YouTube, uh-huh. and I get I get the stuff that I like. Um, my TV has been logged into my account. My daughter normally uses the guest account, but my wife didn't know this and used YouTube. And now I start getting like her history royal stuff suggested to me. <clears throat> and then I got to give kudos to the algorithm because between the stuff that I like, that's like a lot of garage rock and and toy collecting and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And this new influx of history that my wife has shoved in my channel, <laughs> it started like giving me the option to watch a video that is a medieval cover of Right Round. Like you spin me right round, only right. done on like lutes and fifes and stuff. I think I've actually listened to that or something <laughs> okay, like yeah. that. 
Yeah, no, it's it's wild. But I had to like slow clap the <laughs> algorithm at that point for pulling those two together and coming up. It's just like, okay, so you like the <laughs> you like the Black Death and you like the eighties, right? Right. Oh, yeah. I'm, give, I'm I'm trying to make it work, man. Yeah, but th- these people, <laughs> man. I mean, I I. I think this guy was probably a paranoid. That crazy is more interesting, but we already had crazy to be interesting. It's called fiction. You know, it's just weird that uh, I, I don't know. It is terrifying. It is ultimately terrifying that. Well, this guy was obviously mentally ill. So maybe these things are preying on the mentally ill. Oh, I think definitely. I think, you know, most QAnon people aren't going to do anything about it, but you know, at the very most, they're going to like, rant at their employees and make them uncomfortable right storm the capital you know stuff like that (laughs) right well actually that's a good point because like those guys weren't all paranoid schizophrenics but then again they weren't all like there to kill people but i mean a lot of them were though so i don't know yeah hang mike pence a beach in Bournemouth, England, was temporarily closed following the sighting of, quote, unidentified large marine life, according to the Royal National Lifeboat Institution. Multiple eyewitnesses observed a massive shadow moving under the water, which may have been a shark or may have been something else. Further investigation is pending. Uh, you know, this has appeared in just about every awesome water horror movie ever absolutely and i think it is one of those things that we all have a deep i think you know like people talk about phobias and you got arachnophobia and snake phobia whatever that is um probably like herpetophobia yeah 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 totally but I, I think that those are like healthy, ingrained, you know how like babies when they're born, they automatically know to hold their breath underwater, little things sure, like that. There yeah. is genetic memory. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And I think some of our fears are genetic memory. I think we are scared of spiders, we're scared of snakes, and we're scared of large ass shadows going under our boats. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Because they don't know what this was. I mean, they think it was probably a shark. Which it's you terrifying. know, That's terrifying. A, sh- a shark isn't in itself terrifying. I saw it posted on lots of cryptid sites because you know you don't know what the thing in the ocean is. Therefore, it's you know the leviathan, right? Do they I, have I any think, reason to think it wasn't a shark? I mean, no, not really. Was it like it, freaky huge or? Uh, all they said was huge shadow, and I tried to get some more information about like what huge means doesn't mean you know 20 feet doesn't mean 200 feet you know right right but it's it was probably just a shark but i think it's still a fun story just because oh i agree i agree you you get you got the jaws vibes you got the we gotta close the beach you know yeah it's got peter benchley all over it man (laughs) exactly because that's all peter benchley wrote about was basically jaws and then he wrote one about a giant octopus and then i th- want to say he wrote orca with the killer whale i think he was just all about guys on a boat getting messed up from stuff underneath them what if a fish but big right uh but i gotta say it's another example of a headline uh clickbait headline clickbait right there absolutely 
Oh, come on, stop it. You know your kung fu is better than mine. Much better. And finally, Mike Lindell uh, claimed last week that Antifa kept trying to infiltrate his cyber symposium, although video showed only three people singing hymns in his parking lot. He offered no evidence for this claim. He also said he'd been attacked outside his hotel. Sioux Falls police did confirm that there was an assault, although it was unclear if Lindell was involved. I don't even... I, I need to, you know, thanks to COVID and all this stuff, I'm very disconnected from, from a lot of people that I would normally talk to. And I, I find it hard to believe that anybody cares what Mike Lindell is up to. Anybody. Yeah, I would, I would think that too. But, you know, his symposium was packed. Was it? Yeah. I can't access the headspace of, you know, the the QAnon guys, the election conspiracy guys. I just I can't understand on any level what they're thinking. And it's too bad because that's like probably a solid 10, 15 percent of the country. Yeah. <laughs> and more than half of one of our major political parties. So. Who's, who's I, somebody I that society general? Okay, Charlie Sheen. Okay. Let's say that the message is true. Let's say the government is doing this to you and it's true and you need to know and the message is coming from Charlie Sheen. Who's going to listen to that? I That's the part that I'm having with, <laughs> with this guy. It's like when you look at Mike Lindell, I see a raving lunatic and i can't yeah. get past that to anything that he says even his pillow being comfortable maybe it is i don't know you know no, seth meyer seems to think it's stuffed with bees and coal but i agree but you know rush limbaugh alex jones those guys both have giant guy on street corner vibes to me but yeah, Rush Limbaugh at least <laughs> carries himself in a way that sounds like he he at least portrays himself in with some level of confidence. Mike Lindell is is like doesn't he too? I no, Mike Lindell is like a cowering child in the back of a closet or something. He is. I just yeah. look at him and and I see some person desperately desperately yeah uh, no no <laughs> no mike lindell i view him as like ragingly and obviously mentally ill yeah i to be honest i haven't ever i've only read the things he said and you know people like edit to make you sound not crazy because mm. that's a courtesy they show anyone because if you just one for one transcribe people's words to print you look that person will look dumb, right? No matter yeah, who they course. are. Right. Yeah. But... A lot of run-on sentences, <laughs> weirdly placed commas. I get you. Yeah. Right. So I've never actually listened to him talk because I've only ever gotten my news about him from a written medium. So like I, I will take your word that he comes across as massively crazy. Look up I guess him people at the symposium. Him. He sounds like a just a nut, an absolute nut. And, right. and and I'm willing to even, for the sake of argument, pretend that what he's saying is true. And if what he is saying is true, people out there who believe in this stuff, you need to get a new spokesman because this is just not going to work for you. 
Yeah, well, I, I have a hard time seeing him, you know, expanding the core base of people who who believe this stuff. But, you know, guys like Mike Lindell isn't, you know, he's not, it, these conspiracies don't spread via, like, someone sees him on the news and is like, I like the cut of that guy's jib. You know, right, they totally. spread via, you know, a tweet that 10 million people retweet, mm-hmm. right? So, and in in that kind of situation, it's maybe a little less obvious, but he's a loon, you know. Right. I don't know. I don't know. All right, people out there, get a new spokesman. I don't. I don't know what else to say. I can't even listen to the message until you get yourself a new spokesman. You know, and and they're well, going to be Rudy all. Well, what about Rudy? Sounds more with it than this guy than mike lindell i know and that's unfortunate yeah but that's that that's the bar is rudy he he's at least a lawyer and you know that he's bsing you and maybe he's doing it on purpose this mike lindell guy i mean he's a pillow salesman that's all right i i can't say anything that the world doesn't already know get a new spokesman blah 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 okay i had something that i wanted to ask you about um yeah what's your take on this this pulling out of afghanistan um i think it's about time for me you think it's about time i think this would have happened if we'd done it in 10 years 100 years or I think this would have been the outcome if we'd pulled out immediately after accomplishing our combat mission there, which was to get rid of Al-Qaeda. So I think we should have pulled out then. You know? I think we right. should have pulled out in, like, early 2002. Yeah, oddly enough, you agree with uh, Mike Bolton. The, or, yeah, yeah. The guy with the mustache. Which... Uh, he basically said, like, tasteful. once we got in there, as soon as we killed Obama, he said we should have handed him the federal Osama. <laughs> what? Osama. Oh, right. Whoops. <laughs> well, he might have said the other. Um, it, is, he, <laughs> it is Bolton. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Um, as, as soon as we killed Osama, he said we should have handed him the Federalist Papers. I'm not sure why that one specifically, but and, and moved on. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, um, but I I got the premise of what he was saying. Like we did what we came here to do, and then at that right. point on, it was nation building, and that Which was the term. Bad Biden. idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I agree, but um, you know, I have a very unpopular belief system on this stuff, and and I'm somewhat my my long term view is I don't really believe in countries or anything like that. I. I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm really a globalist that believes that mankind needs to work together and we're obviously sure. going to get there with the environment to the point where we don't have a choice. But but in the meantime, if we're gonna play the game of countries, I am somewhat of a nationalist. And right. that that word has been tainted by the all right. So uh I'm I'm not a white nationalist. I'm just, you know, and I think that basically we should have gone over there and we should have said listen afghanistan in your country some bad stuff happened and it killed four thousand of us right uh we want that guy 
you can either help us get that guy, or you can say that you're going to take care of it on your own. If you do not take care of it on your own, this entire country is going to be irradiated glass, for lack of a better term. Basically, you need to take care of your stuff. We're happy to help you, but we're not going to just sit by and allow this to happen. Now, let's talk about it. Let's work together. Let's get it done. But if you continue to allow these things to go on, we're not going to come in to build a nation. We're not going to come in to find Obama or Osama. <laughs> but we're going to put an end to this situation. Well, that's exactly what we did do. Sans the you know nuking everyone. And I know irradiating glass is really just for poetic license. <laughs> I don't really think that we need to nuke the place. <laughs> but we did go to them and we're like, "Hey, give us Al Qaeda," and they were like, "Hey, screw you." And so we're like, "Okay." So we came in and we got Al Qaeda and we took down the Taliban. Yeah, um, at that point, I kind of feel like we should say your country is ours now. I'm not a huge fan of like extractive imperialism. I don't. I, think I'm not we either. But, like but if, Afghanistan, but if, I think that would have been a horrible thing to do. It, it, it maybe it would, but I mean, if if your belief system is killing us, we have to do something about it. I mean, but that's true of so much of the world. We're not popular. No. <laughs> and that's you know, part of the problem. The reason why should, we're not popular we... is because we've been meddling and we shouldn't be meddling. Exactly. Right. Should we, we go into Venezuela and kill radical groups there? You know, I think there might be more radical groups down the line if that's what we do. So, yeah, you know, they start it was... attacking our people. Yeah, we should. Right. I mean, look, it was a direct attack and it was huge in proportion. So I right. think it was worth doing. But I, I don't think, you know, I think we should have gone in, done our stuff and left. Uh, I don't I don't even think we should have waited until we found Osama bin Laden. I think we you know we could have easily come back later, right? I think I think we got rid of Al Qaeda, we got rid of the infrastructure by which Osama was capable of like hurting us. And you know, I think it should have been a couple month thing. But back then, you know, the Bush this is all the Bush administration's fault, basically. And they were very into the mindset of nation building, which was just a, a muddled mindset because we are an imperial power and our wealth depends on other countries being poor. Like our entire system of globalism depends on, you know, people being willing to sell their goods and labor for us at the fraction of its worth because, you know, they don't have a choice but to participate in the world economy. So the and democracy costs money, you know, you never get a stable democracy that's incredibly poor. So if we wanted them to be a stable democracy, we would have needed to make them be not a poor country, which is completely counter to our foreign policy goals right. over the world. We want countries to be poor, you know, we you know, we we have in the long term this rising tide lifts all boats goals, but we we want them to be at the very least poorer than us so that we can get stuff from them on the cheap. Right. Right. Yeah, so true. the idea that we're going to nation build is is just straight up not understanding the idea that democracy. Isn't cheap, 
you know, because right. it's, it's a less stable system of government than dictatorship. And if you have a poor country, then your country is going to be less stable. So you need a more stable system. It's why we didn't have democracy in the Middle Ages. And like when Poland tried it, they were trounced by their neighbors. Right. You know, this is this is part of the problem. This is part of why the right says that the left hates <laughs> the country and the left says that the right is ruining the country. Um, I feel that that we sh- part of this sci-fi belief that I'm saying of telling people, right, you hit us once, don't hit us again, or we're gonna we're gonna hurt you. Right. You know, is that we're not the shining city on the hill anymore. I mean, were we ever? I don't know, but I think there was a time that that at least the general society thought that we were and believed in trying to become that. But now I think a lot of people basically believe in keeping people down in order to keep themselves up. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, before it went on without people knowing it, but now that people know it, they're just all like, Oh, that's great. Yeah. Repressive. Yeah. I don't, I think the shining on the hill city on the hill thing is, you know, I, I think we have this thing now where we like exemplify everyone wanted to come here because America's great and they therefore conflate that greatness with we are a moral paragon when in fact our greatness is due to our massive wealth and our massive wealth is built on genocide and exploitation. Like people want to come here because we're rich and we're rich because we screwed them the people who want to come here so like or the people who already were here you know um so i i think we're great i think we're the city on the hill i think the city on the hill is built on a mausoleum of bones yeah well i think that's (laughs) true for all societies at this point unfortunately yeah i mean you're you're either rich and built on a mausoleum or you're not rich and you're built on a mausoleum right right yeah so it's it's better to be the former but that that's not to say that all countries have equal sins you know uganda of course not uganda never became the british empire and colonized like two-thirds of the world you know (laughs) they they don't have that blood on their hands and we do right right given the opportunity (laughs) though that country specifically would have well, sure. I mean, <laughs> because every country is populated by people. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and human nature doesn't change. No, I guess it doesn't. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to Radio Wasteland. Our guest tonight is Horror Gamer. And what are we talking about? Well, surprise, surprise. We're talking about horror and games. Uh, how are you doing this evening? We're going to go with HG to make life easy. How are you doing, HG? I'm doing good, my friend. And I just want to say thank you very much for having me on. I'm super excited to just dive right into the world of horror with you guys today. Yeah, I'm I'm a hardcore horror fan. You know, as a you know my my interest in paranormal is really kind of like a offshoot of my love of horror. You know, I grew up loving horror. Uh, I've told this story before. It's not going to bode well for me as a as a as a male. But I initially got into horror because of the nudity. I was like, <laughs> you know, and then, uh, you know, but by the time I was 16, you know, I was just loving it all the way back to the thirties and, uh, you know, up until today. So, you know, what 
I'm always curious about how people get into these things, especially horror, because for one, I meet a lot of horror fans that I just don't get them. You know, they want it to be real or, or they're all, you know, I want to get on the roller coaster and then I want to get off the roller coaster and smell some flowers and say, man, that <laughs> crap was crazy. You know, yeah. but, you know, what, what makes you love horror? You know, what's your draw to it? I assume you're well, not killing people and eating babies. Oh, no, no. Well, for me, horror has been a thing all my life. Um, when I was five years old, I watched The Exorcist for the first time mm. with my dad. Some major desensitizing at a young age, I assume. Right. When it's your first horror movie you ever watch, it kind of desensitizes you to the rest (laughs) later in life. Um, But ever since that night, it was just something about, you know, the whole whole story behind, you know, the exorcist and everything. It just drew me into that. And I've been hooked ever since. You know, horror has just been a big part of my life ever since that night. You know, that makes sense. You know, I think about the things that I'm into and I know a lot of them are maybe a little different than most people. Um, don't get me yeah. wrong. There's a lot of people who are also into this stuff that we're into. And and I think about it and really, if I try to dig my way back, really, I'm just chasing nostalgia. I'm chasing those yeah. moments when I first watched them and it sent my imagination whirling. And now, to be honest, I watch like for every let's say 30 horror movies I watch, 29 of them are absolutely terrible. And then I get that one and I'm just like, oh my God, it's happening. I'm feeling that feeling, that nostalgia. Yes. Feeling, you, know? you know, I am the same exact way, like you said. 29 out of 30 are some of the worst horror movies you could yeah. possibly watch. <laughs> so hard to sit through, but then you get that one. It's just like, man, I remember it just brings you back to sitting on the couch with your dad watching them. Right. Like that. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it, it's also the same case with science fiction and jazz, frankly. Yeah. You know, most of it's terrible. But when you get the good <laughs> stuff, you're all like, oh, this is great. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, a- ask anyone who likes a thing and they'll tell you that's true of everything. Yep. <laughs> this is my personal journey, though. So okay. it's more I'm, important. I'm sorry to, like, you know, take this take is about him with his special dad. little box, Chauncey. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, you know, one thing that I wanted to talk about is, is zombies because zombies like blew up, you know, because obviously we're going to talk about resident evil, but but zombies like just blew up culturally and in, in horror movies. And uh, you know, what's your take on why we love them so much as, as a group of people? Cause I love them too. I'm to the point now where a zombie movie better be pretty dang good for me to like it. I've seen so many that, yeah, you know, yeah. You know what? Honestly, I think that the lore of the zombie apocalypse is what makes people excited for zombies. Um, The whole go out there and just this massive chaos, the world's coming to an end, and you just got hordes of zombies that you can just periodically take out one by one, or kind of like in everybody's head, it's like the walking dead, or it's like, you know, it's like night of the living dead. It's something like that. You know what I mean? Where it's just that excitement, like the danger is there. Yeah. So it's a situation where you don't have to pay bills. <laughs> and also every so often you get to commit casual violence against beings that are basically helpless and are also incredibly loathsome. So you don't feel bad. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, I like <laughs> that's that. Pretty, that's pretty much, you know, that's pretty much the gist of it there. Yeah. yeah. I like the way you said it better. Yeah, I, I think you're definitely right. Like um, the the mass 
zombie of course they were like voodoo zombies and haitian zombies and stuff yeah. prior but the mass zombie thing started right that 1968 time. night of the living dead yeah. um arguably it started from i am legend but um yeah did create i i have to admit that as a horror fan you know when when i was a kid there were a lot more of us you know now that i'm grown up yeah know, all like oh i like grown-up movies and i'm all like oh, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Well, thanks. but um the kids that loved the zombie movies when i was a kid were also the kids who had like the anarchist cookbook and they probably did fantasize about the collapse of society and them going off on their own and building See? spring traps <laughs> yeah, pretty yep that's about <laughs> it right there that's the lore right there <laughs> right yeah and and i gotta admit it's it's dystopian so it definitely feeds into you know my my love of these post-apocalyptic post-apocalypse in general you know absolutely <laughs> um so Resident Evil, you know, this is this is your jam. You you play a lot of stuff, but that's your brand. Is you love this shit? Yes. Oh my god, I am, I am diehard Resident Evil. And it's the funny. The funniest thing is, I kind of came on to the Resident Evil train a little late. Um, mm-hmm. I knew nothing about the original back in '96, I believe it was. Um, I actually was introduced to Resident Evil on Thanksgiving. When I went to my cousin's house for Thanksgiving dinner, I went up to get him because dinner was ready. And you can just hear these terrible noises coming from his room. Like, just, oh, it was so bad. And then you walk in, he has all the lights off, and he's just playing this game. And I'm just, as as a young HG, I'm standing there just, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. What is this? And why don't I know anything about this? Right. And then. Ever since then, I have just been hooked. Everything Resident Evil. Like, a lot of my friends joke with me that if it's not Resident Evil, don't waste your money on it because you're not going to play it. You're not going to, you know, play anything else but that. Yeah, I'm just so obsessed with the game. It's it's amazing to me. So this was the first Resident Evil that you walked into? Yes, the Resident okay. Evil 2. Resident Evil 2 was the first one that I got uh, okay, Resident introduced Evil. to. Yeah. Yeah, Resident Evil 2 was the one that I walked in on. And ever since then, and it happens to be my favorite video game of all time. And that's like with all the genres. It's just Resident Evil 2. It's crazy. Interesting. <laughs> so there are a million Resident Evil games, right? Oh, what there's is, so many, yeah. What What is it that, I mean, is it just that that was the first one and that was sort of like what brought you into it? Or is, is 2 generally like mechanically... A better game for whatever reason it was a good game the story was fit the the i think the reason i like it the most was the score the music in it oh interesting it has some of the most beautiful music i've ever heard in a video game like hmm. ever heard yeah and it's you know and then when you like when you go into a saver in the savior game and then you hear that music and you just like ah i can take a minute you know what i mean so great it's just such an amazing amazing score all around i think that's why it plays a big part in why i like the game so much right yeah i'm a good i'm a good deal older than you so video games i i you know i i do play them i'm i'm like obsessed with metroid i play anyone that comes out you know yeah we all got our brain you know but um when i was younger of course video games were not immersive in the way that they Mm -hmm. are today so it's been hard for me to put together 
the scares that I can get from a horror movie um, mm-hmm. with the scares that I can get from something that I'm actively involved in. But, but that's what you're getting from it. Right. You know, because yes. I watch these things and, and I know that people are, you know, feeling the scares just like I yes. am. I'm loving it. Yes. When I'm loving a horror movie. There, there's something about when you play a horror game, you actually feel like you're in it. You know what I mean? Like you're that character and you have to do what you can to survive. And I think that just that feeling of dread and anxiety and stuff, I think that's what keeps me going back to it. Because mm-hmm. it's like, all right, I can do this. You know, I'm being chased by this big monster, but I know I can survive it. You know, but it's just a fear of, oh, he might get me. Right. It's that, you know. Is there something that Resident Evil does for you that, because there are, I feel like horror games have mm-hmm. have exploded a lot. You know, you've got your, you've got a million AAA ones. You've got your Dead yeah. Spaces. You've got your, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't actually play that many horror games. So I'm suddenly having trouble thinking of anything other than Dead Space. But like, <laughs> clearly Resident Evil yeah. is a more venerable like brand it's been around for longer and it's really enduring is there something mm-hmm. they do that like is more visceral than others or for me it's they it makes you think as well it brings the scares but it also plays with your head a little bit like mm-hmm. when you have to solve a puzzle to get into the next room or sure. you have to find a key like i know other games do that but it's just the way that Resident Evil for me brings it out. It's okay. just, it's, it's, and it just, I don't know. It just, it just hits me in a way that I, other games don't like. I've tried to play other games. Some games, sure. like um, The Evil Within, is a game that was made by the creator of the first Resident Evil. Huh. While it was a good game, don't get me wrong, it just didn't have that hit for me like Resident Evil does, if that makes sense. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I assume a big part of it is that uh, here. Here's my other nerddom. I have Transformers <laughs> behind me, and why Transformers hit and GoBots didn't. You know, yeah. is is that Transformers had the lore behind it, and you used yes. lore earlier. And you know, sometimes you know when you get obsessed with these things, you end up if like you're saying about the other guy with his new game. Let's say people did get that level of obsessed, but the well wasn't deep enough for them to chase it, you know, but resident evil has created quite the, quite the world for itself. Yes, absolutely. It's created that lore. And I think another thing too is it's for me is it's a, it's a nostalgic thing. Mm -hmm. I'm constantly like, I've been called like a nostalgia chaser. I've been called all kinds of things. I love nostalgia. I love when something can take me back to a better time in my life. Mm -hmm. And then when I get that, I kind of gravitate to it, to it. And that's what Res- Resident Evil does to me as well. Is like anytime I can sit down in my 30s and play Resident Evil, I can just get a, a that picture of me at 12 years old or 10 years old, you know, sitting down on the couch, playing video games and just having a good time with, you know, your, your Mountain Dews and your pizzas and Doritos and stuff like that. You know, all-nighters that you do. That's what I enjoy. That, that's funny. It's the exact same thing that I tell my wife. She's just all, my Transformers collection is a midlife crisis. And I, I tell her, I'm just all, at least I'm aspiring to be 12 again and not 20. Yes, so it's like, exactly. I did 20, all right. I did 20 good. I felt that I nailed 20 pretty well. 
<laughs> and I moved on. You know, what I feel that I could take another crack at is 12. I could be 12. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. The better times. Yes, I yeah. agree. <laughs> Kara, do you have a point in your life that if you could go back and live in that point forever, you would live there? And I don't mean like a, I don't mean like a specific mm. moment, but I mean like a, like a section. Because exactly. like he's saying, you know, if I were to go back, I'd be drinking uh, soda directly from a two liter while splitting a pizza while up till four in the morning watching Doctor Who on PBS and playing video games. You know, oh. that's 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 the moment that I feel that I should probably uh, revisit. Yeah, we... see, I'm tempted to say, you know, any point in my childhood, right, because of like the nostalgia factor, but also objectively, I was incredibly overworked and I don't want to do math homework again. I don't want to do math homework or PE class ever again. So I wouldn't want to go back. So maybe college, college I was just hanging out and, you know, doing whatever classes I wanted to do. And that was, that was pretty nice. That's beautiful. Uh, so, I did leave out that my, I was, my, I was my failing everything. My period of my life also. I'm nostalgic <laughs> for was like a couple years ago. <laughs> That's good. So. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, I was not doing my math homework at the time, though. I was. That, that is fair. No, <laughs> yeah. see, the, our, ours was more of a homework is not optional oh. situation household. Right. So it's, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, I, I definitely have more to say about that. We'll dig into that sometime, Kara, because I had to... That's a good one. But, um, you know, the... The, the show where we uh, cycle and analyze each right, other. Right, right, yeah. A, that's, a whole, uh, that's a whole series that I'm looking forward to. As far as the lore, <clears throat> why don't you give us a rundown of the lore? Is it is it unique from game to game, or is it episodic? Does it exactly follow, or is it take a lot of liberties is it like a reboot each time well basically what it does is so your first it, it takes place in different time frames and while the virus changes a little bit the outcome is basically the same so you got back in the spencer mansion in 1996 um an outbreak happened and they're trying to figure out what's going on because it got out and people were dying and they send alpha team in to check it out and it's just a nightmare. It's just all kinds of stuff happening. Well, Resident Evil 2 takes place a few months later. This time, the outbreak spreads, and you find out that it's a different strand, and it's created in this pharmaceutical company's underground layer called Umbrella, and you find yourself in a police station for like 90% of the game, and it's, it's just amazing how just crazy it is. And then while Resident Evil 2 and 3, they're actually happening around the same time, just a couple hours apart, which is pretty cool. And that's like the original trilogy that was really good. Then 4 happened, which was like, it was okay. But that, in my point, is when the, the Resident Evil series kind of started to become action movies. Res, Resident Evil 4, it was good. It had some scares and stuff, but it started that action trend. And then 5 was the same way. It, that one took place in Africa. Um, four took place in uh, Europe, and then part six took place here in the U or here in the U.S. and then Japan. But at that point, that game was nothing but quick time events and you know die hard. Basically, it was just it kind of around that time for me. That's where the series, in my opinion, started dying. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately. And, and what are we at now? Like 
seven, eight? Eight. We're at eight. Okay. Yeah. And that, and it's funny because they almost turn Resident Evil into trilogy based, kind of like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You have your original trilogy, then you have your over-the-shoulder action trilogy, and now you have your first-person back-to-survival horror trilogy. And I think with this new trilogy, they really upped their game, so to speak, mm-hmm. and they really brought it back to what made Resident Evil good. While not with the zombies, per se, they just added that survival horror where you know, ammo is not plentiful like it was in the last three games. You actually have to work to survive. And that's what, like, the essence of Resident Evil for me was, was just surviving, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not an action movie. You don't have bullets just scattered all over the place. You know, you have to find them and you have to survive. And they're starting to do that again, which is great. With a lot of fan bases, the view is that the movies killed it. Is that your view? In my opinion, the first movie was okay. Well, I don't mean the quality of the movies, but I mean that the movies affected the quality of the game. I think so, yeah. Because then the movie started making this action-packed movie, and then around that time was when the game started becoming the same way. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I am interested in your your view of the movies, because this is, you know, this is what prompted my my other question, is like... um, and I'm sorry to go back to Transformers, but it had the same problem. It it started out pretty good, but it quickly mm-hmm. devolved into basically cutscenes of action to the point where I'm not entirely sure what's going on. <laughs> you know, don't yeah. get me wrong. I've seen all the movies probably more mm-hmm. than once, but you know, what's your take? So, like I said, with the first movie, it was the first of the, you know, it was their dive into it. So they kind of kept the scares there a little bit. They didn't make it as action-y as the ones to follow. But my take on it is what I couldn't stand that they did with the Resident Evil movies was they took established characters from the game, Mm -hmm. put them in the movie, but then made them back characters. They put them on the back burner for Alice, which was a character that never existed in the game. She, you know, wasn't even thought of in the game. Uh, Mila Jovovich's character. Mm -hmm. I can't right. stand when a movie takes those liberties. You know what I'm saying? Like you're, you're making a movie on a franchise that was built. You have your characters from the game and then you just you basically just throw them aside to make your own character. I, I, I can't stand when they do that. Oh, I, so uh, you like horror movies. Maybe you've seen relic. Yes. Never seen the movie with relic. Um, yes. With the big lizard creature. Yeah. Yeah. In the museum. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, that's based off of a book and the main character from the book that went on to have 17 novels where he was the main character does not show up in the movie. He is like, he is, I think he, he walks through basically um, (laughs) where he's like the star of the book. I'm just all like, yeah, I liked the movie, but Mm -hmm. they lost the magic. Yeah. That drives me crazy when they do that. Like I know in the final resident evil, like when, they had specific characters die off screen that never even died in the game. Drove me nuts. You know, especially uh, one of the characters that they did, he's one of the major characters in the game. You know, um, Mm -hmm. and they killed him off screen. They didn't even, like, give him the, the, um, 
decency if they were going to kill him in the movie universe right to do it on screen and he's like he's like a superhero in the game kind of deal you know what i mean he's had like three or four games about him i i i get you it's like um yeah you know i i understand as a as a fan of a lot of lores you know um yeah i understand the need to pay homage to the fan base but I also understand, like, if you're not going to pay any homage to it at all, it's like, why are you even doing it? You know, because, yeah. you know, so so there's always this pull and push between that. But I agree, you know, ditching major characters and, and giving them no send off is. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's a yeah. uh, it's world building suicide. kind of. Exactly. It's 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 like a cardinal sin when you do something like that, especially like if you're taking an established franchise that people love, like. There are a lot of diehard, like die diehard Resident Evil fans. Like I have a, a buddy who's, he's might be the most diehard Resident Evil fan I've ever seen in my life. Like he owns, like he buys every game five times, collector's editions, regular editions. He buys them for all the consoles. He has like a, a case that is just Resident Evil games, and he has like old school Resident Evil Two PlayStation, still sealed, never open kind of deal. He is diehard, and like, yeah. you, 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 it's almost like you spit in the face of people like that when you do that. Right, things who, like that. Who are you know in this in this world of Kardashians? They're your influencers, you know. <laughs> exactly. Um, I I was curious about that about collecting uh, when it comes to video games. So you know, I don't mean to show my age but uh, you know i am a little older but you know i do get the world of collecting toys and that their values go up is this the same case with video games i assume it is is it with resident evil is there oh yes like there's some resident evil like the way that this franchise is there's certain things like if you own and you own them top notch you can sell them for a pretty penny like if you go on ebay i've seen sealed resident evil 2 playstation 2 cart uh discs for go for almost a thousand bucks and it's you know when it came out it was like forty dollars right you know it's crazy how things double triple quadruple in value as the time goes by and because resident evil now is like really sought after lately Mm -hmm. it, it i've seen humongous spikes in like prices and stuff like that when it comes to buying collectibles for this franchise yeah especially the old games i would assume because we're we're living in a world where now uh you know downloadables is is where it's at if i buy a game on my absolutely yeah i'm a nintendo guy if i buy it on my switch or whatever we download it uh, yeah it doesn't actually exist uh going back to the lore um did alice make her way into the video game then she never has once seen a video game really never once <laughs> i wonder if that's due to licensing i wonder if like if they were trying to keep it classy or if they we can't afford it maybe you know, it's like yeah uh, i'm not sure but i've never seen her in one one video game huh. i mean was the movie i don't actually know was the movie popular i always kind of got the impression that it kind of flopped <laughs> but i might be thinking of something else I mean, they were okay. Popular, popular? No. I mean, 
to a core group of fans, maybe, but it didn't like right. break box office. Right, it wasn't the Avengers or anything like that. You know? Sure, right. yeah. Oh, so maybe was, they just you know didn't want to taint the games. Yeah, maybe, and thank God they did it. You know, because that would have been just horrible. But um, no, it was it was. It, I wouldn't say it was popular, popular, but it had its core fan base. I see. So I think these companies are starting to realize, though, that their core fan bases are who carry the torch because we now obviously live in a world where where um, franchises and world building is where it's at. You know, everybody's trying to emulate the MCU like they were any anything, you know, they're you can see it on every uh, streaming network. You can see them seizing control of their properties, Uh, you know, um, Star Trek. I'm watching Star Trek Discovery currently. You know, you can totally yeah. tell that Paramount has seized control of that property, mm-hmm. and they're trying to build on Absolutely. it to create a competitor with, with what Disney is doing. So, you know, <clears throat> I think there's hope for you that you're going to see a reboot in a movie uh, <laughs> that that pays a lot more homage to the source material. I think. Well, there is one in the works. Oh, is there? It, huh. Yes, it's called Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City. Huh. So, welcome from to what Raccoon I, City. Yeah. So, from what I'm getting, um, I've been I've been researching this ever since I found out that it was a thing. Um, they're they're kind of interpreting the first two games into yeah. this. So they're going to have characters from the game. They're going to have characters from the remake game, which is pretty cool. And I think I mean I'm excited for it. It just it the only thing that bugs me is it get it keeps getting pushed back. It was supposed sure. to be in August, and then it was supposed to be September eighth. Now it's like November eleventh or something like that. So, for a release date? Yeah, for a release oh, date. Wow, that quick. So, so. Yeah, it's coming soon. Yeah. So it has nothing to do with uh, what's her face and uh, her uh, husband. Yeah. No, thank the God. Jehovah bitches. Yes, and. Uh, <laughs> They were. Uh, she actually uh, put a tweet out saying that she would like to be in the, the remake, and I was like, "Please, God, don't let that happen. Don't do it. <laughs> Unless yeah. she's a zombie, don't let her be in it." Yeah, they could Drew Barrymore though. They could like kill her in the opening scene, like that they did be- in Scream. That was their big marketing pitch for Scream. Hey, that would be. I would be okay with that. You know, send her off, Alice. Goodbye. Now let's get back to Resident Evil the way it was intended to be. Yeah. So I haven't heard of this. Is 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 it a? From what you can tell, is it is it a big budget? Is it like a major corporation yeah. uh, company that's putting in this out? Um, it, it it seems like a big budget. Now there's conflicting reports. One is saying it's going to go straight to Netflix, like a Netflix movie. Mm-hmm. But then there's other people saying it's going to go to theaters. It's supposed to be hitting theaters. Uh, interesting. So luckily, I'm, we I'm, live in a world where straight to Netflix does not mean it's going to be bad. You know that movie. Uh, uh, oh, sure, yeah. Uh, the the movie that changed my mind on that was a uh, Spectral. It wasn't a great movie, but it went directly to Netflix, and I watched mm-hmm. it. Uh, watched it with like this look, going like, "Oh my god, I'm watching Made for TV," and then it was hella good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so. Made for TV. Yeah, fingers crossed. I think hopefully they catch the essence of what Resident Evil is about. They said they're going to do the two games, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah, it will be interesting to see because it did just come out in the news uh, as far as movies are concerned that Scarlett Johansson is suing Disney 
because so Disney released Black Widow on its streaming service and in the theaters. And then they say, hey, look at these millions that we made off of our streaming services. The, the theaters all got pissed and basically said, you screwed us out of money. Mm-hmm. And so Disney, this Jungle Cruise is going to be the last one that they release that way because they want to stay in it with the theaters. And then today, Scarlett Johansson just filed a lawsuit against Disney to get paid because apparently some of her royalties was in ticket sales, which didn't happen. That's not good. Yeah, yeah. So, so moving forward, theater and and uh, streaming service will probably be a lot more defined because I bet you all these other the- uh, companies, I bet you the theaters came to them too and said, "It's time to play." Yeah. Well, I did hear that HBO Max after this year is going to be done doing the same day as theater stuff. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, so I think they're done with that. That deal ends at the end of the year or something, or beginning of next. Right. Yeah, I think the yeah. theaters I think it was, yanked the I leash mean, across the board. Thing. Sorry, go ahead, Karen. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I was just saying, I mean, this was a, a pandemic thing, right? Like, yeah. if, if this was a profitable way of doing things, they would have been doing it Yeah. No. before the pandemic. So. No, no, no. They didn't do it before the pandemic because they were scared. They didn't know if it would work. During the pandemic, they were forced. They had no choice because that's how they needed to make money during the pandemic. Disney came out and said this was a huge success. And the theater said, oh, no. Basically, if you don't play with us, you're not going to play with us at all if you don't play by our rules. So it's actually the theaters collectively ringing in, uh, wrangling in uh, Disney. Because it was successful on the streaming services, so it, it yeah. it's basically the first, if not further down the line, uh, nail in the coffin to the movie theaters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean they're they're basically on life support anymore. Like I still, I still oh, like yeah. to go to the theaters every every couple of weeks to watch a movie, but nowhere near what it used to be before the pandemic. Oh yeah, the I mean it's insane. Uh, my girlfriend and I, we went to go see The Purge, The Forever Purge, uh, when it came out. And we were the only two in the theater. Oh, yeah. And it was just like, I mean, I remember when we went to go see The First Purge, we had full of people. It's just the times are changing. It's just, the, like I said, the movie theaters, they're on their last leg. I hate to say it because I, I thoroughly love going to the movies. That's one of my. That's one of my escapes. I um, I actually, we have a local cinema here where I subscribe to their unlimited service. So they, they charge me once a month and I can go see as many movies as I want. Oh, yeah. And be- awesome. Oh, yeah. Before the pandemic, my girlfriend and I, I mean, we were going every weekend. It didn't matter what was playing. We just took a shot, you know, because it was basically free, you know. But sure. ever since ever since the end, ever since the pandemic, you know, everything opened it's just it's not the same yeah the experience is completely different and i don't think it's coming back luckily the one theater experience that it did start to bring back that might stick is a uh, drive-ins oh i would love i would love for a drive-in we used to have a drive-in close to the area where i live and people got greedy wanted to sell it and then right at the end they they tried to save it and it was just too late Right. Yeah. Well, that's happened just about everywhere. Some of these new drive-ins, they've actually had to like build them or, or yeah. do the pop-ups, you know, with yeah. the, uh, going and watching the 
in uh, the town I used to live in, Reading, they had like all through the summer, they had like movie theater night where they'd like do a big inflatable thing and you could go out to the park and like watch it. Yeah. You know, it sounds really cool, but it was like a hundred and holy hell degrees. So it wasn't all that great. But. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, moving back to the lore of Resident Evil, um, how far has it expanded and do you consume this other stuff? You know, I assume that it's hit novels and comic books and every oh, yeah. aspect. Oh, yeah. I, um, I, yeah, I have books like there's novels there's resident evil novels and i actually have the whole set of novels and i have a youtube channel that i do and one of my segments is horror gamer reads and right now i'm trying to read through the whole set of resident evil novels because they're just yeah they're so well written and i mean you got the toys um i don't have many of the toys because they're hard to find and when you do find them they're just super expensive, you know. I get you there. I mean, I've tried to buy like a Claire Redfield from Resident Evil Two double pack with um, Sherry Birkin, and they want like seventy bucks for it sealed. Some are asking for over a hundred. Oh, yeah. So it's like, okay, I missed out on the toys, which I'm a little bit upset about. But like the other media, like the the books, and I'm actually reading a book, you know every night called itchy tasty the history of resident evil well the unofficial history of resident evil and that that oh my goodness like that is just so in-depth of like some of the behind the scenes stuff that went on in the creation of it it was such a well-written book uh that's interesting so um i often wonder about this with with franchises you know a lot of the time i i get frustrated with watching television shows because i feel like like the fans are influencing where the show is going. And I prefer yes. a movie normally because movie is done. When I go in from the start of the story to the end of the story, it was already made. I'm just riding the ride. Yes. You know, but I feel like TV shows can be negatively influenced like, like that. You know, do you, how do you feel about the making of, of these games? You know, do you think that, too many chefs in the kitchen, too much of focus on money, or do you think that it was really a passion project? Or from okay, so where I'm at right now in the book, at first it kind of started out as like a passion project. Like this guy, he wanted to make this game for the PlayStation. He made a, a rendition of this game back years prior called Sweet Home. It was for the Nintendo, uh, the Japanese version of the Nintendo. The Famicom, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And it was basically the birth of Resident Evil. It was a role-playing game where you're in a mansion and you got to fight ghosts and zombies and everything. Well, he wanted to take that idea and bring it to like a new plane with the PlayStation. So uh, he, you know, worked and worked and worked and he finally got it. But then from what I'm seeing after that, it kind of is like, while it's still a passion project for some you can see people are trying to make the almighty dollar from it because their expectations for the release of two, they wanted to sell, I I think it was some kind of number. Like they wanted to sell 2 million copies of this game. That was their goal. Well, they doubled it. You know what I mean? They almost tripled it, but they're, they're like, we have to bank off this. And then that's what I believe made the franchise like into a, 
heavy hitter, if you will. Yeah, I think, you know, it's like, unfortunately, we live in a world where you can't do art for arts. You know, music is a prime example of a problem here. Yeah. You know, the, the greatest songs are people strumming four chords and singing about a girl that left them or a guy that left them. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's what those songs are. You know, and then now in this world of, I don't know, technical, when technical ability and, and I guess in the case of video games, it would be graphics um, a lot of the time. So is that the case that, that play is often sacrificed for graphics? At times, yes, because in the book, they were actually going, they wanted to try to make it like first person and more pixelated, but they settled for, um, still backgrounds that way they can make the gameplay you know what i mean they, they can do it a little better with like third person stuff because they couldn't quite make it the way they wanted to so they had to put a still background to make the third person view work right because it was kind of like um if i remember i played that one and it was kind of like moving from scene to scene and the scenes yeah. were sort of in a in a forced perspective somewhere between 2d and 3d yeah and you would move through the scene via a door opening little clip you know (laughs) i bet you that got old fast oh yeah it did (laughs) it still does (laughs) (laughs) uh all right so uh let's let's dig into some horror movies i want to know what's your favorite what's your favorite horror movie of all time is it the exorcist is the exorcist 100 percent the exorcist (laughs) I mean, it was the first one, you know. (laughs) That's funny. We were just talking about The Exorcist the other day, and I was wondering if I was trying to divorce myself from the concept because, like, is The Exorcist so scary because Christianity is so in our our psyche as a country? Like, would somebody from another country watch this and be all like, what? That's ridiculous, you know? So I I was trying to decide... uh, you know, how influenced is that by that? But uh, I don't know. Yeah, it is one of, I mean, it's not just horror movie fans that like it. It's like one of the most popular horror movies of all time. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's one of those movies that transcends just being a horror movie. It definitely is a great sure. movie. Yeah. yeah. Well acted, well made, terrifying. Yes. You know, uh, but okay. So uh, let's, what's your, what would your follow-up be to the, the exorcist i would have to go it was a recent movie and not many people liked it it was the curse of la llorona oh yeah yeah i i like it i like that whole well again we're dealing with lore we're dealing with the built universe exactly that one and the reason i like that so much is because it hits a little closer to home with me sure um because You've had an experience, right? I've had an experience with like, well, who I believe was Lottie Rona, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was one of the most terrifying experiences I've ever had. Well, before um, we get into that, for the audience's sake, why don't we tell them what La Llorona is? Okay, so La Llorona, it, it translates into the weeping woman. So basically the story of La Llorona goes that there was this beautiful maiden and everybody wanted to be with her and she fell in love 
with this handsome drifter. Okay. They had children together and life was peachy, you know, life was great. But as the years went by, her beauty started slowly fading and it caused her husband to kind of go and sleep around and all this other, all this other nasty stuff. And he would only return to give his children presents, you know, and, you know, he only wanted anything to do with his children. He basically didn't want nothing to do with La Llorona no more. So in a fit of rage, she thought it would be a good idea to get back at him to drown her children. So she went to the river bend with her children and drowned her children. And um, after that, I guess she kind of like snapped out of it and she realized what she's done, what she'd done. Now, depending on who tells the story, here's where it kind of differs between cultural and cultural um, mm-hmm. with uh, like I'm half Mexican. So the way the story was told to me was every night she would walk by the river bend crying for her children looking for her children until the day she died another uh i think in spain it's said that she and and just disbelief and utter sadness of what she just she just did she jumps into the river and drowns herself and and the lore goes that if you're walking by the river bed at night and you hear La Llorona crying, basically get out because she's she's seen you and now you're in her sights. And if you don't heed her warning, she will drag you under the water where you'll never be seen again. And also, this was a, this is a big thing that was always told to me because I was just a bad kid when I was younger. If you're bad and you don't behave. And you don't go to bed when you're told La Llorona is going to come get you and take you away. Uh, parenting 101. Yes, Parenting 101. <laughs> Absolutely. And that stuck with me, you know, as a kid and now even into my adult years. Like, um, I want to tell my grandkids one day, behave, La Llorona is going to come get you. you know, I want them to feel, You're going to get arrested by the yes. time you have grandkids if you say I that. Know. I know, right? But I just want them to feel that the sheer terror of what I felt. You know, just, but now, um, well... Is that not the point of having kids? Yeah, oh, that's yeah. it. Just, just to scare them a little bit, you know? Yeah, just a it's little terrifying bit to have kids, so it's like it's only fair. They... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, um, so... What happened was, and it was just, it was the craziest thing. I will never forget this to the day I die. I, you know, even when I tell this story now, I'm getting chills and goosebumps just because of what happened. So we were in Mexico visiting my grandparents or my grandmother. um, And I was, I was misbehaving so, so bad. I mean, I was, you know, get your butt smacked kind of deal, go to your room or whatever. And I was just misbehaving so bad. And then my mom got to the point where she sent me to the room and said, if you do not behave, La Llorona is going to come get you. And I started crying, you know, because when you hear La Llorona as a young Spanish child, you they mean business. So sure. later that night, we were all sleeping. And it was about 
3 o'clock in the morning. All of a sudden, outside, we hear weeping. I'm talking about like insane weep crying. Like, have you ever seen a movie hereditary? Yeah. Tony Tony Collette, that yeah. scene where she's with that what was coming from outside of our window, right out of our window. Now I gotta I gotta point out that you said we and our, so that means you're yes. not the only one hearing this. No, I am not the only one hearing it. My mom and my dad and my grandmother were all hearing this. So I hear it first and I'm like, what well, you know, what's going on? And I wake up my mom. And then my mom, you know, kind of comes out of it. She's like, what is that? And we all started kind of freaking out because my grandmother came in and she was like, it's La Llorona. And my dad, my dad didn't believe it. He didn't believe any of that. He was like, it's not, you know, it's not that, you know, it's probably some drunk person out there crying, you know, because the way it was set up, my grandmother lived in, in the desert of Chihuahua. So the houses were kind of split up a little bit. They weren't like close together city wise. Mm-hmm. So if it was a drunk person, they would have had to have walked a ways, you know, have wandered off. Mm-hmm. So we're all sitting here freaking out. And my dad was like, I'll go check it out. Let me go see. So he goes out of the house and he just, we can see him out the window and he is just like in shock. There's nobody out there, but the crying is still happening. We don't see anybody, but we hear just this weeping of like somebody who lost their kids. And this happened for about 30 minutes and then it stopped. Oh, wow. Yes. And I think that maybe she wasn't there to take me that night, but I think it was a warning. Because, I mean, if La Llorona wanted to take me, she would have taken me and there was nothing anybody could have done. I mean, this is as simple as that. It's, I mean, that's what the legend says. But this happened, it, it, was, it went for a solid 30 minutes and then stopped. Needless to say, none of us got any sleep that night after that. But it was just the sound. Like, I'll never get over the sound of her crying. Like, it was the most terrifying cry I've ever heard in my life. I just... That, <laughs> that's funny that you said that it was warning coming for you because... I mean, not funny, but funny. Weird. <laughs> um, because when you were telling me it, I was I was thinking like, like maybe it's like, like she heard her name and she came and it had nothing to do with you. But but you're feeling that it was a warning to you to quit being a little old. Yeah, brat. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it could have been that too. Like maybe when my mom said it, see, I'm a firm believer that if you talk about something enough or you will something enough, you can bring it, you know, make it a reality. Right. Like yeah. with, like with La Llorona, you know, in, in Spanish culture and in European culture, she is a very real figure to people because that's what they talk about. If you're not good, La Llorona is going to come get you. So what I think happened was they willed her into existence. I believe she really exists. Um, there's tapes on the internet on, you know, you can hear her cries and stuff like that. And at first, I believe she started off as an idea or just a legend. But then with people keep talking about her, 
they actually brought her, you know, basically made her real. Right. Yeah, that's um like a tulpa. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like uh, yeah. that's kind of the premise in it, and yeah. that, that there's like the fear creature that absorbs that and becomes that. And uh, what was that other Dean Koontz Phantoms? Phantoms mm-hmm. kind of had that that deal as well. Um, so from your story, I'm getting the gist that your mother was Mexican. Yes. Was your dad Spanish? No, my dad was actually so from this Virginia. Is, okay, so this is why he had no belief in it whatsoever. Yeah, he didn't you know. know. Yeah, he was All like, right. "Now I'll go check it out. But then he believed after that night. <laughs> huh. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 wild. That's wild. Because yeah. at first I thought like, okay, well, then the dad must have. But then I thought, well, maybe he's from Spain. You know? Yeah. But, nope, uh, he, yep, nope, he's from Virginia. Well, see, here's... You remember in the Curse of La Llorona when um, the the witch doctor took the egg and like ran it over the house and on the oh, girl's right. body. Yes, yeah, yeah, and it collected the blood or something. Yeah. Yes. Well, that actually happened to me when I was younger. So when I was, I believe I was like three or four, my mom had sent me to stay with my grandmother while they flew up to Pennsylvania to find a um, to, so my dad could like find a job and find a house and everything. Well, when I was down there, I got very sick. I'm talking about like death's door sick. Um, and my grandmother took me to emergency room. She took me to doctor. She took me, she, everything she could do. And she called my mom and said, you need to come to my house your son is very sick and there's nothing we can do so my mom takes the first plane back um and they're there and my grandmother gets a hold of a witch doctor okay and he comes in and he like looks around and he looks at my mom and says do you have animosity with somebody does anybody have something out for you and my mom was like no i don't know why and the witch doctor told her is because somebody put a curse on you, but it attached itself to your son. So this witch doctor took this egg and kind of like went around my body with it and was saying a prayer. And then when he cracked the egg, it was black. The yolk and everything was black. The egg was rotted. And then after that, I started getting better. I started getting healthier. But ever since that night, I'm not saying I'm Haley Joel Osmond in the sixth sense. Trust me, I'm not <laughs> saying that. Okay. But sure. I will say, <laughs> I will you, sir, say, are no Haley Joel Osmond. Yes, I am no <laughs> Haley Joel Osmond. But ever since that night, I can sense like when a house is haunted, I can sense if it's something bad. I can sense, you know, I, I just have like that sense. I can't see anything, but I can feel it. Like I can feel like my environment. Mm-hmm. And that La Llorona incident actually happened after this egg thing. So I could also maybe say she was drawn to me because of that experience. Right. That's what I don't know. crossing my mind. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was one of those things where, was she drawn to my energy and I was bad? Mm-hmm. 
maybe she did want to take me, you know, I don't know, but like I said, I will never forget that night as long as I live. Even like I said, now telling you the story, I'm just like, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. You said, you know, they're like videos and stuff on the internet. Have you ever like listened to one and be like, oh shit, that's what I heard? I have. There's been a yeah. couple where I've listened to it and be like, that's exactly what I've heard. That's exactly what was happening the night that she came. That was it. Yeah. Oh. It's it's intense. And then when you hear it, it just takes you right back to that night. I was just like, Phew. it's just, mm. she's terrifying. I'll tell you, she is terrifying. Now, in in telling you, you said witch doctor. Um, so forgive my ignorance on this. Is that Santeria? Is that? Well, it's is? like, I, I, maybe I, I said it wrong, like a faith healer, not witch doctor. It's like more like a faith healer. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I didn't mean witch doctor. Like, is it something bad? Like, it's like a. No, no, like no. I, yeah, no, yeah. I definitely got that. And I saw the movie. Yeah. I, you know, I, I knew that yeah. he was the good guy, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I was just wondering if, if that's what that the use of witch yeah. doctor made me think. I probably worded it wrong. Not, I'm not bad <laughs> on that one. I kind of worded it wrong. But the yeah, guys no, all listening it, going, hey, man, I'm a faith healer. He's like, really, dude, I saved you. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. You're going to get like an egg in the mail now. And you're gonna get yeah, like, right. A rotted egg in the mail. Right. <laughs> yeah, man, that is intense. That is intense. I have, you know, we, we've had quite a few ghost guests on here, but I, I got to say that's a, as far as an experience, that's one of the most compelling ones. Oh, it was. Yeah. I still, like I said, still, there's sometimes I still dream about that night. That is. <laughs> and that happened. Yeah, of course. That happened over 30 years ago. So what, what's your take on, on people going into a haunted house now that you say you can experience and you've had this people going into the haunted house looking for it. Is that something you'd be interested in or you all hell no, that's not happening. I mean, Haunted houses don't scare me much. Like looking for it, I would love to do a, a real ghost hunt. You know what I mean? Just to like be in the area. So no, nah, I would do it. Um, but I will say if I feel like there's something negative there, I'm out. Like there's no his sense of butts. I don't need nothing, you know, attaching itself to me and bringing home. Right. Um, I'm it's so funny. I'm like an hour outside of Gettysburg. Like it's literally an hour oh, yeah. drive to Gettysburg for me. And I've, I'm always trying to convince my girlfriend, let's go to Gettysburg and let's take the tour at night. Let's just see. Let's just drive around the battlefield at night. And she'll never want to do it though. No. Never funny. wants to do it. Yeah. <laughs> She's yeah, always my wife, I, I want to get my wife to like go and stay at hotels that are like haunted or where murders yeah. have happened. And I'm all, oh no, it'll be great. And she's all, no, we can yeah, visit. Yeah. We're sleeping somewhere else. <laughs> yep. That's. That's the way my girlfriend is. She loves Gettysburg. We'll go on the battlefield all day during the day, but as soon as night comes around, you would think there was werewolves coming out of that thing because she's running back to the hotel. She's out. That's funny. That's super funny. All right. Well, uh, we're coming up on the end here. This has been a lot of fun. And, and oh, it's been man, that's, that story was intense, I got to say. <sighs> yeah. um, but, uh, you know, you said you had a YouTube channel. Where's where's the best place for people to, to find you? Uh, well, best place for people to find me is a uh, horror gamer on YouTube. Uh, the O's are zeros and the E in gamer is three. So you look that up, you can find it there. I also do a podcast with my co-host, uh, Gabby Gore, where we talk about stuff like this. Um, you can go wherever you can get your Spotify, whatever. 
uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all that other stuff. Go check that out. And yeah, so enjoy. That's the best. That's the, that's the most important part. You come, you look, you look me up, you enjoy it. Have a good time with it. Awesome, awesome. All right, you've been listening to Horror Gamer here on Radio Wasteland. That's Horror Gamer in code case. So uh, the O's are zeros, and the E is a three. It's a three. Thanks for coming on. Hey guys, I appreciate it. Thank you. I had such a good time. I hope you guys can sleep tonight with that La Llorona story. I'm on yeah, a little no, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to rewatch <laughs> it now because you know oh. I watch one a night. Might as well be that one. There you go. But now, during the day, so it's all good. There you go. But now, guys, in all seriousness, thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. Mm-hmm.